and a dependent from her who will crush Satan's head. Given that Abel is dead and Cain is excluded from the family, how will God provide? Well, God gives them a third child, Seth. Seth replaces Abel and note the connection here with Adam. Adam was taken from the ground and Seth replaces Abel whose blood cries out from revenge from the same ground. Seth's name literally means God has provided me and indeed God provided Eve with a replacement for Abel. Seth's descendants are the ones who worship the true living God, continuing with the son Enosh. Seth lived to be 912 years old, but his most impactful legacy is in his lineage that gives us Noah, Abraham, and David, and most importantly, the one who crushes Satan's head, who is Jesus. So there you go, a little bit about Seth, and that's enough today for a historical minute. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, dear, dear God, we thank you for this book of Genesis, uh, this book of beginnings, and we find um, not only how sin entered and evil entered into the world, but its consequences and really how it can take root in a person's life and how they can act on it. So Lord, we pray that we can, uh, as we gather here and study your word, that we can really um, just that you speak into us and that we can receive you in your word. In all this we pray, amen. All right, so if you're just joining us, we have uh, this teaching series through Genesis, and we're going to start in the fourth chapter in the ninth verse. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open to there. Um, and then also I should point out that we do have the ability to text in questions, and I've got an iPad up here where um, I can, uh, if I am observant, I'll look down and uh, we'll get into some questions, and so that way it's kind of interactive service in that way. Um, but before we get into there, there is actually a question, and it's, a, I think, a really fun and interesting question. And so um, let's go ahead. So it says, if Adam and Eve did not eat from the tree, would they be the only people on earth? It's a good question. So if they didn't eat from the tree, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, and, and remember, whenever they did that, they were rejecting God. And so whenever they rejected God, um, now sin and evil has entered into the world, and we call this the fall, so the fall of humanity. And their consequence then is that they are cast out of the garden. And you are right in the sense that we, they don't procreate, they don't have Cain and Abel, and then later Seth and other sons and daughters, as it says in uh, chapter 5, they don't have any kids until after the fall, until after they're kicked out of Eden. And so actually what this question is kind of asking, in a way, is, is um, did Adam and Eve, uh, did they have sex before the fall? It's kind of what it's asking. And one of the things that we find in um, Genesis 1, uh, 26 and 27, that God gives this procreation mandate. He said, uh, he said, go forth and be fruitful and multiply. And he gives that to Adam and Eve uh, right at the very beginning. And right there on uh, the sixth day, whenever he creates Adam and Eve, he gives them that mandate to uh, be fruitful and to multiply. And he also says that therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be um, united, shall be one flesh with his wife. And so because it's talking all that 
before the fall would indicate uh, that yes, that they did have sex before, um, or at least it would be possible for them to have sex before the fall, okay? Um, so in other words, if, if they never ate the fruit of the tree, um, then they would still be able to reproduce. And they could have, um, and that was originally God's plan was that they would be fruitful and that they would multiply in the Garden of Eden. But alas, they um, did not eat that fruit, or they did eat the fruit, and they rejected God, and so they were cast out of Eden. And so from then on out, we have this lineage, um, and all that takes place apart from, uh, apart from Eden. So good question. Uh, very, very interesting. I'm glad you asked that to whomever that was. Uh, who was the mother of Seth's children? Uh, Seth's children. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we're going to get to Seth a little bit later, but one of the things that we find here is that we find that um, like Cain and Abel, so they both, well, Abel, I don't think, we'll, we'll have to read, uh, doesn't take a wife, but, but Cain does, and so does Seth, and so those are uh, one of the daughters of Adam and Eve. So yeah, good question, good question. Okay, so uh, starting in verse 9, and actually before I get there, sorry, one more thing is we're kind of in the middle of the story. So let me just recap, and I promise this will be quick, and not like last week where it was like half the time. Um, but just real quick is that we have, um, we have these two brothers. And so Adam and Eve, they bore Cain and they bore Abel. And the two of them, um, they grow up and they develop these um, uh, businesses or their... Um, uh, what's the right term? Their, yeah, their careers, I guess. And so uh, for Cain, he is uh, going to be a farmer, and so he's going to produce crops. And then his brother Abel is going to be a, a rancher or a shepherd and is going to herd sheep. And they both give an offering to God. And, and this would be kind of more categorized like a thank offering. And, and really, um, as Christians, I don't know if we do this enough, but, but if you've ever just been in a place in your life where you're so thankful to the Lord that you give him a thank offering. I mean, I, I don't know if we really practice this today, but it is described in the Bible as a thank offering. And so these two do this. And um, it doesn't go into why, but uh, apparently God had favor with Abel's and uh, Abel's were sheep and um, Cain's were crops and they were harvest. And so uh, he had the favor over the sheep and over the harvest. Um, and it's not to say that harvest is like bad or inferior. In fact, one of the, um, there's several offerings that are very acceptable and accepted by the Lord and commanded by the Lord in the Old Testament that involve crops or they involve fruit or harvest or something. And so it really doesn't have to do with that um, as, as much as, well, it just doesn't say. Um, some commentaries really just kind of equate this to the doctrine of election, that God is going to have favor with whom he has favor with. Uh, and that's one thing. Uh, the other thing that if there were to be another explanation would be if we notice how Cain reacts to being rejected in his offering. And he reacts um, like a toddler. <laughs> he has a pity party and he gets, he gets so angry. He gets so mad about it. And so it indicates that at least for Cain, something's not right in his heart. And, and, and so maybe he's making this offering, but his heart's not in the right place. And, and so, so maybe that's what's going on. In fact, one of the things that we find here is uh, earlier, it says sin is crouching at the door. And, and, and talking about how um, he has this, this evil kind of 
uh, built up inside of him. And so maybe whenever he gave to God, even though it was giving to God, it just wasn't with the purest of motives, and maybe that's why God rejected it. But either way, in the Bible, it does not say, and so we can only speculate. Um, but what we do know is that where we left off last week in verse 8 is that Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And so this is the first murder in the Bible, and this is as well um, how we can really understand this in the context of Genesis is we have sin entering the world in chapter three. And if you just want, and then they're, then they're excluded from the garden of Eden. And if you just want to think to yourself, well, geez, what is, what is really the consequence of living outside of Eden? What is really the consequence of, of having evil in the world? What, what is, what does it really look like to have sin now as part of who we are and what we do? We can look right here. And so pretty much the way the Bible reads it, uh, chapter 3, sin enters the world. And chapter 4, we have the first, we have the first um, homicide. We have the first murder. Brother against brother. Okay? And so that's where we're going to pick up. But first we have um, a question. So chapter 3, verse 16 says, Your desire will be for your husband after the fall. Is this the start of sexual desire? Any desire before maybe just mandate to procreate? Yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, so if you guys remember the three guilty parties in um, Genesis 3, whenever they ate the fruit and God was uh, cursing each of them, he starts with the serpent and then he goes to the woman and then he goes to Adam. And you're right, in verse 16 it says, your desire shall be for your husband. And so, so yeah, so, so this question here is asking, well, so, so maybe she has a desire for her husband after the fall, but not before the fall. And I guess for me, I just kind of would, you know, would look at this and say that, yeah, she's going to have a desire for her husband, but, uh, but still the way that God had uh, created Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2 uh, definitely talks about this uh, fulfilling, you know, becoming one flesh and things like that. And so for me, I would say that um, it's not that a woman had no desire or something like that before the fall. Uh, is it possible that the reason God favored Abel's offerings because the offering Cain was not a living sacrifice? Yeah, so good question. So I alluded to this earlier. Um, and, and I guess it's possible because the Bible doesn't say. So at this point, anything's possible, right? But, um, but it, doesn't, it doesn't say that. And in fact, um, as I was referencing earlier, that even though that it's not a living offering, the, the harvest or the crop offering, even though it's not of lambs or it's not of flesh, um, we find in the Old Testament that crop offerings or harvest offerings are very accepted by the Lord. And so for me, what I would say is at best it's a stretch, if not just, it's just not there, um, to allude that, oh, you know, because he slaughtered an animal, somehow that's like better than a harvest offering. Um, at least at this point, and at least the way that the Bible talks about how harvest and crop offerings are very accepted by the Lord. So, so yeah, ultimately we don't know. But uh, the Lord did find favor in Abel's offering and not in Cain's. Cain's uh, through a temper tantrum. And then he went and he struck and killed his brother. So we pick up in verse 9. So here we go. 
So now we're in the, now we're in the Bible, okay? <laughs> Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is, your, where is Abel, your brother? So just to pause here for a second. Um, God is asking this rhetorically. <laughs> uh, he's not like genuinely like, hey, where, where, where's your brother? Like he knows, okay? This is, uh, if you cross-reference back to the garden, when he asks Adam and Eve uh, a question, you know, why, why are you hiding? I mean, he, he, he already knows. He already knows the answer to this. And so, so notice what uh, Cain does here. He said, I do not know. Now, does Cain know where his brother is? Yeah, he knows. So this is, by the way, <laughs> called a lie <laughs> for those of you. This is straight up lying to God. I, I, I mean... Yeah, so first he starts with the lie, and then now he's going to get defensive, and he's going to say, what am I, am I my brother's keeper? Uh-huh, I've heard that before. Um, by the way, so I have a twin brother and an older brother, and um, especially with the twin, I swear, people just thought that, it, you know, that apparently I just knew where my brother was like at all times for anything. You know, people come up to you, hey, you, where's your brother? Your guess is as good as mine. And so I, I actually used to quote this. What am I, my brother's keeper? You know. But, but really, uh, here he is. And, and obviously no one, there's never been a command or mandate for you to, um, uh, to, to know where your brother is at all times. And so he's getting defensive with God. He's, already, he's getting defensive here. And then in verse 10, And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So now God goes from this rhetorical question and lets Cain just kind of um, answer how he will and, and blames and doesn't really answer the question and lies to God, lets him kind of flail around a little bit, but then immediately goes right to judgment. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. See, God, God sees all and God hears all. And just imagine that the blood that was on the ground is now crying to God. And God heard that cry. Yeah. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. So... God is now giving him his punishment for this murder. See, sins, and in this case, murder, they don't just simply go without punishment or without justice being carried out. And, and that's the kind of God we have. We have a God who is just. And so here we are. We have this injustice, this murder, um, which is literally an undoing of the procreation mandate. Uh, see, if you look at the Bible, especially Genesis, is so pro-life and so pro-creation. And, and really what Abel's trying to do here, Abel's actually trying to undo that. See, see God is, is all about life, and Cain is trying to undo that from God. And so he's going against God in this way. And so we have a God who is just. 
And so he gives them this punishment. And see, it is kind of interesting because Cain was such a farmer. And so a farmer is someone who's very rooted and tied down to the ground. You can think of them as having their house, okay? And think of them having their white picket fence that they're used to having. And then now all of a sudden, rather than um, being into or being uh, tied down to that land, now all of a sudden his punishment is that he's to be a fugitive. And he's to be a nomad. He's to be a wanderer of the earth. And so let me just kind of pause here for just one second. And, and, um, and, and I, I know that we've all been uh, working through what had happened uh, last Sunday night in Las Vegas. It, it was very interesting because we had talked about, last week if you were here, we talked about sin. And we talked about how uh, some people just choose to reject God. And, and we talked about how the fruit, while to some of us it may not seem like a big deal, is rejecting God, it's disobeying God. And from the moment that Adam and Eve ate that fruit, now the world is broken, the world is fallen. And humanity itself is, is, is separated from God, it's, it's broken, it's messed up. And so as a result, we're, we're born into that sin. And then that sin then, uh, in Genesis 4, then goes from, the, from um, rejecting God with the fruit to homicide, to murder. And so and that's where we left off last week. And so I find it very interesting that that's where we left off. And then, of course, later that evening, um, we had the homicides, plural, uh, that took place in Las Vegas. And, and for me, I'm still just working through it, just, just trying to figure out why anyone would do something like this. And ultimately, we're not going to know the motive or, or even if we found out the motive. None of it's going to make any sense because the issue here is sin. The issue is that, that, that clearly this guy was consumed with evil. And clearly this guy, just like the serpent was whispering into the ear of Eve, the same way Satan must have been whispering or yelling into this guy's ear. Uh, but something really pure evil must have been going on. And, and this, this, this guy must have just been consumed with this sin. And, and really just the way that Cain is described in verse 7, it says, um, And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And so clearly Cain had this struggle with, with this envy or um, hatred towards his brother, and sin was crouching at his door. And so I think in the same way that this uh, shooter in Las Vegas last week Sin was crouching at its door, at his door. And for him, um, he chose to, to do this, and, and, and it's a sin issue. It really is. And it's something that, you know, not any law or um, behavior health chemical can ever solve. It's, it's a sin issue is ultimately what it is. And so, so for me, I guess I just, I lament that. And, um, but, but as well to be reminded that God is a God of justice and that how Abel's blood cries out and God hears that in the same way that God hears uh, injustice and he will one day come back to right all the wrongs. And so we can put our trust in God in that.
And then as well, it gets even worse from here. <laughs> it really does in the Bible. In fact, um, I'm pretty sure we'll get to it tonight, but there's even this other person we meet uh, called uh, uh, Lamech. And Lamech um, actually murders someone else. He's a descendant of Cain, and he murders someone else. And in fact, he's so proud of his murder that he brags about it. And he says that if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, mine is 77-fold, and he brags about it. I mean, it's just this, this evil this about how sin can just consume someone. And so if we continue, Cain is given this punishment and, and really, he starts to have a freak-out moment, actually. In verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So he's having this freak-out moment. And, and you know as well, whenever we're confronted with something, and whenever we're punished with something, I mean, and, and for something as, 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 as huge as this, I mean, I, I understand that he got emotional. I really do. Um, and so for him, he's freaking out. Um, but, but notice what God does here. And, and, and it, see, if you've heard this story a hundred times, have you heard this next part? Here's, here's, what, here's what God says to him in verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, Not so, if anyone kills Cain, the vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold, and the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. And so God actually marks Cain. Now, again, what does this look like? I don't know. Some have speculated that it might have actually been like some sort of physical marking of some sorts. Um, but as well, it could have just been a symbolic marking, or it could have just been something that everyone knew about Cain, that, hey, if, if you kill him, then it's going to be, a, your, now your blood is going to be avenged sevenfold, seven times. And so God, even though that he is casting Cain out, so remember, they started in Eden, and now they're cast out of Eden, and so that's where Cain grew up. Now he's even cast out of that. So he's, he's, he's east of east of Eden, okay? That's where Cain is. And he's going to be a wanderer of the earth. And he's going to be a nomad. And so for him, he thinks to himself, well, Jesus, if I'm just walking around, then what's going to stop anyone from just, just randomly killing me? And you know, that is a good question. What's going to stop someone? Well, God did. God actually put a mark on him. God actually protected him. So this, so even in the midst of punishment, even in the midst of, of God um, uh, righting a wrong and creating justice where there was injustice, God can still take someone like Cain, who was consumed with evil and was consumed with sin and committed uh, the first murder. God can still look at him and still provide for him can still protect for him. And so just how amazing that is, it reminds me, cross-reference back to the garden, where um, Adam and Eve, whenever they were so shameful that they were naked. And so what God does is God actually provides for them. God um, actually clothes them. He gives them their own clothing. And so God is such a good God. 
And then in verse 16, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So here is, he's east of east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, if you remember last week, yada, yada, yada. Cain, Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. Uh, when he built the city, he called the name of the city after his own son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered mm-hmm, uh, Mehuel, uh-huh, and Mehejuel fathered um, Methusiel, and <coughs> fathered uh, Lamech. There we go. And Lamech took two wives. So this is the guy I promised we'd get to tonight. So he, he took two wives. Okay, so first of all, what's, what's happening here is they're listing out the lineage of Cain. Because Cain is now cast out of east of Eden, all right? So he's east of east of Eden. And so he's cast out from the presence of the Lord, from God's family. And so um, we just get a short uh, description of here's his family, and they give a short lineage. And then, by the way, (laughs) we're done with Cain. And then we go back to Adam and Eve, and we're going to focus on their lineage, which is going to put us to Noah. But before we get there... We have uh, this guy Lamech here. So he takes two wives. So this is now the first time in the Bible that we meet polygamy. So way to go, Lamech. Um, what's the command? What's the procreation mandate in Genesis 1? Is to, um, to take a wife. Singular. All right. Apparently, Lamech did not get the message. Or maybe he did and didn't care. Again, I mean, we are talking about you're in the family of Cain, okay? They're not exactly the most righteous dudes at this point. So Lamech, he takes two wives. Not supposed to do that. Um, The name of the one was Ada, and the other was Zillah. Ada bore Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, he was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Uh, Zillah also bore mm-hmm, Tubal Cain. Uh, he was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. Now, here's what I wanted to get at because this is so important. It just describes the evil, the pure evil of uh, either Cain's family or at least. Uh, Lamech here. He says to his two wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. So he's bragging at this point to his wives. Hey, look what I just did. And so he's, he's bragging. Um, if, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, well, my revenge is 77-fold. By the way, also, um, this is referenced, um, well, I guess kind of loosely, in uh, the New Testament with Jesus. Whenever he says that you must forgive someone, uh, not seven times, but what? 
Yeah, 77 or 7 times 70, depending, you know, how you look at it. Yeah, and so, um, so this is actually referenced uh, in regards to that. So, okay, so we have a comment. Hey, that's good that you put comment there, James. I appreciate that. Because last time I read a statement like a question that I was like, I was like, that sounds like a statement. <laughs> so this is a comment. Yeah, seems like the mark on Cain would keep anyone from getting too close to Cain as a friend or a wife. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's true. That's true. Okay. Uh, now here is a question, I believe. Yeah, there's a question mark. Would these people he feared would kill him? Wouldn't they have been family and knew what had happened? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we're dealing with, you know, pretty small, <laughs> small civilization back then. I mean, just essentially, yeah, it would be his, his family. Um, and, and so, yeah, they would have absolutely known what had happened. Yes, yes, that's a, so yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, yeah, and, and so they would have absolutely known, yeah. Okay, so now uh, we're going to transition. So that's Cain's ancestry, and we meet Lamech, who is just pure evil, and so we're done with Cain's ancestry. Now we're going to move on. Now we're going to get into um, Adam and Eve. So again, so without, okay, so... They had two sons, um, Cain, and then they ki- he kills Abel. So now they're left with no one for the lineage. And uh, Genesis 3.15 talks about how there's going to be one who comes uh, who's going to crush Satan's head. So what gives? She's got not Cain or Abel to do that anymore. And so in verse 25 it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he named his son Enosh. At that time, the people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Okay, so we look at um, Adam and Eve, and we have Seth. So Seth is going to carry on the lineage, okay? So he has Enosh, and then... Um, uh, even though that e, or excuse me, even though that Seth lived uh, for quite a while, his his real legacy here is that in his genealogy he's going to have all of our heroes of the Old Testament, but most importantly, we're going to have Jesus, uh, and so we're going to have Jesus come from this lineage. So, uh, so let's get right into this lineage here, and my pronunciation on all these names is correct, however I say it. Okay, so. <laughs> This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. So this is a little recap. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man, so Adam, when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. All right, so Adam's 130 years old. Uh, you know, has Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered uh, Kenan. 
Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he'd fathered uh, Mahalo. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalo 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. Okay, so let me just kind of pause here for just a second because it looks like we got some on the iPad. And I think we'll pause here. And so, um, yeah, so we'll pause here and then we'll we'll talk about um, what is in the, um, what's on the iPad. Okay, so did Cain repent? Um, I mean, it didn't seem like it. (laughs) At least at first, whenever he was confronted, he first lied to God and then he got really defensive. And so I would not call that a genuine confession like at all. Um, but was he, but whenever he received his punishment, you know, was he, was he sorry for what he had done? Uh, maybe, but we just don't find that here in the text. Yeah. Uh, 425, Adam knew his wife again. Uh, significance of wife versus Eve in 425. See, at this point, because Eve is named... Um, I don't think there's a significance, no. <laughs> I think it's just kind of interchangeable, you know, going referencing Eve as Adam's wife. I think it's just interchangeable. And then we have a comment as well. Uh, and it says this, uh, polygamy is not considered a sin at this time. Uh, many of the saints actually had more than one wife, Abraham, Jacob, David, etc. It's not until the New Testament that it is discouraged. Only priests were forbidden to marry more than one person. The New Testament has, his, has requirements for elders and deacons, right, to, be, uh, yeah, to have one wife, right? And the author of Hebrews calls us uh, a priesthood of all believers. Yep, yeah, that's a really good point. And so, yeah, um, at this point, I didn't mean to dog too hard on polygamy here. Although it just, um, you know, we, we just see polygamy as... Um, also not working out very well, to, to, to say the least. But yeah, it's not uh, explicitly a sin, uh, for sure. Um, and you're right, it's not until the New Testament that, it's, that it is uh, forbidden. Yeah, 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 good question. Okay, so comment. Uh, Cain's fruit or descendants would suggest that he did not repent. Yes, yes, that's another good point. And as well, if you look at his uh, lineage, yeah, we definitely see that. Um, with, um, especially with uh, Lamech there, or yeah, Lamech, we see how he um, is just completely uh, just willing to murder and then brag about it. So uh, yeah, very huge stuff here. Okay. Um, Oh, we have one last question. And it says, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord in verse 25, were people not... Uh, we're not the people calling upon the name of the Lord before uh, Enosh. And yeah, that's a, a really good question. And, um, you know, for me, uh, I take it a couple different ways. But uh, I tell you what, I'll just let it hang out here on the iPad. And then uh, let's address it next week because we are out of time. And so with that, um, conveniently, conveniently, uh, let us pray. Uh, dear God, we indeed, uh, uh, we thank you so much for bringing us here together 
and as well where we can uh, study your word and we can study Genesis and we can study uh, about how sin can just, uh, and evil can just consume someone uh, to the point where they commit these uh, horrendous crimes, these horrendous sins. And so, Lord, we pray that um, we're able to uh, apply a lot of what we've talked about tonight about how, um, about how whenever we're confronted that we uh, go to you with a genuine uh, confession and a genuine apology. And uh, we thank you as well in this lineage of Seth. We thank you that um, we have Jesus who, who came and who um, went to the cross for our sins. And so, so we thank you for all these things, Lord. And we pray that as we leave this place that we can worship you uh, tomorrow and the next days. And all this we pray. Amen.